0: Welcome to the All In For Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of the All In For Citrus podcast. We've got a very interesting episode today. Uh, a group discussion, two people talking about some collaboration between the researchers and the industry itself, uh, how important that is. Uh, As always, we're going to start with Dr. Michael Rogers. Uh, Dr. Rogers, this is a very important topic, um, talking about the collaboration to have the industry involved. It's important on both sides in in research projects, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Taylor. And this is something we're going to be talking more about in the future in podcasts and meetings that we do. Um, because, you know, we're, we're talking about it today not only to provide an update on, on things that are going on around the state, but, but these, these researcher-grower partnerships, um, they're extremely important for how we operate. Um, University of Florida, IFAS, you know, we're, we're part of the state land grant system. Uh, and you can almost say that, you know, these, these cooperations, these collaborations, they're part of our DNA. They're, they're why we're here. They, they're how we exist and work with growers throughout the state. Um, and really, they're more important now than ever because of the situation we're in in the Florida citrus industry with citrus greening. Um, right now, we're at a point where uh, early on in the HLB epidemic, um, you know, we made a lot of advances. We were able to do a lot of things very quickly. I refer to it as, you know, some of the low hanging fruit we're able to knock out real quick and make some advances. But, but now a lot of what we're doing is, is really fine tuning. We've, we've developed a a good knowledge base on HLB and what can be done right now. Obviously the, the thing we're looking for is that resistant variety, and that's going to take a while. But as we wait on that, what we're doing is we're really fine-tuning and taking our, our practices and making them more efficient. You know, because as we've talked about in the past podcast, um, for growers, you know, it, it, it all comes down to trying to be as cost-effective as possible, save money, do as, do more with less money because of of, of all the impacts that HLB is having. And so, for us to be able to really fine-tune things, um, we really need that partnership with growers. Uh, not only to help us, you know, you know, by providing grove space or trees or groves to work in, but but as we work in growers' groves, uh, they they're there right beside us, um, you know, in the field. They're talking to us. They're watching what we do, and, and we get a lot of, of feedback, um, and it's it's really practical feedback. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes just questioning, well, why would you do it this way? Why not why not this way? And in um, that real world perspective that growers provide to the research that that really helps us. And developing new solutions that um, are, you know, practical, that are going to be, you know, likely to be used by growers down the road, and th- that's really important to us. Um, but the other thing about it, also working with growers in the field, is, you know, there's a lot of things that that have advances that have come uh, from these grower researcher partnerships. And a lot of times it's just, you know, meeting with a grower and they say, hey, I've got an idea, and it, it may be something we've never thought about before. Um, A lot of times things don't pan out, but sometimes they do. And sometimes it's that unexpected observation in the field or something that leads to a big breakthrough. And those are the kind of things that really help out that, you know, it's that grower-researcher partnership uh, working together that really helps advance things in our industry and helps us make progress much faster in developing solutions to things like HLB.
0: Yeah, and this is something I'm going to ask Fred and uh, grower Tom Hammond when they join us here. But uh, also the value of having a grower, you know, being able to look and see and and monitor the field on a regular basis that's very valuable for you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and they they're there every day walking the groves. They're seeing what's going on, and. You know, as a researcher pops in and out of a grove, we, we get that snapshot in time. You know, that's what we see what's happening that day, that time. But, um, you know, growers are watching overall. They're watching the bigger picture in the grove. And, and, and they may be able to say, well, hey, this isn't the way it's normally operated in my grove and, and can draw some conclusions that maybe we don't. And so it, it really helps us bring things you know, into perspective and, and get new ideas on, on how we approach things and what might be working and what's not.
0: Very valuable. We'll, we'll talk more about that when uh, they join us here in a minute. But uh, over the last over a year now, COVID has kind of halted all of the partnerships that you guys have with the industry. Um, are we seeing that uh, ease back up and get a little bit more involved here?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's it's been quite refreshing. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't say we completely halted those partnerships, but we we were definitely hampered um, with COVID. We had restrictions on what our folks could do. Um, getting out and being interacting more with people was m- much more difficult, and and now we're able to get past that. Um, things at the university have opened up. Our rules that limit our travel and our work conditions, such as the number of people in a lab, that's all been lifted. So we're now able to get out, uh, move more freely, interact with people. Um, We can have visitors to to our our properties, our centers around the state, which is fantastic. And we really expect to even be holding in-person meetings, you know, larger group meetings um, at our research center starting in probably in August, if not sooner. So that's all fantastic that we're able to do all that. And and just in the past several weeks, um, I myself, I've been out to probably the well two two grower meetings which is probably about the first time i've done that um in about a year and it, it was quite refreshing the first one i was down in um, zolfo springs at the peace river growers meeting and um a couple of weeks ago and then and then more recently uh, this last week at the florida citrus show in fort pierce and and both of those meetings um it, it was kind of just refreshing to see people face-to-face we're not talking on the phone or talking by zoom i mean honestly we're shaking hands i don't know if we're supposed to do that yet or not but but we are i mean you know it was it was so good to see people and and exchange ideas and talk about what's happening what people are seeing in the field and and, and so we got a lot of good feedback from growers um you know as i'm as i'm out i'm listening to what growers are talking about because we really want to uh, you know, hear what the what the issues are and be as responsive as possible. And so, you know, it was interesting just at the at Citrus show this last week, one of the comments that we received kind of caught me off guard was that, you know, normally it's well, we're looking for the, the solutions. You know, we, we, we want Ipis to give us some answers. And the, the, the comment I got this week was, well, we're getting a flood of information. We can't even digest it all. Uh, which is a little different than normal. And I, I don't think it's but that there's more information than we need, um, but it really made me stop and think and about how at IFAS, how we're delivering information and how we probably need to uh, step back and look at that and analyze how we're delivering information and how we can make changes to make it more digestible to growers and more usable, more user-friendly, if you will. So, I mean, even even comments like that really help out tremendously for us. So we so we can look at things a little bit differently and figure out how we can make how we can be more effective in not only developing solutions, but delivering that information to growers in a way that they can really use.
0: Yeah, it's very that in-person collaboration is invaluable. So that's uh, good to hear a uh, little legislative update. A couple episodes, we talked about some employment opportunities coming up with uf Uh, and in that episode, you talked about fingers crossed that the revised budget wouldn't be cutting some of that funding and good news, right? Those budgets are out and we saw some good news there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we were all, everybody went into this, this, uh, budget season in Tallahassee expecting cuts. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, we didn't get any cuts and we actually had some of our, 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 um, Budgets increased a little bit, so that was really good news. And for our research programs on IPHIS, uh, we came out of this session um, looking good, and we're able to uh, move forward without any concerns about ability to do our research. Uh, we've, we're going to have the funding we need to get the job done. And so not only is the research going to move forward, we're also now able to move forward in hiring new positions within IPIS. You know, we've had folks who've left um, or retired. And so we've had a, a, a number of vacancies um, that we wanted to get filled, and we've had a hiring pause for, you know, the better part of a year. And so now we're really able to move forward on a lot of positions that are going to be key for growers and meeting that the needs of growers around the state. Um, one example is uh, everybody knows we um, lost our citrus extension agent in Highlands County, um, you know, to another position. And so we're now in the process of of, uh, interviewing and filling that position in Highlands County. Uh, We've also got the dean of extension search that's going full steam ahead. Um, And, you know, there's a a commitment on the part of uh, Dr. Engel and and the IFAS administration to find the best candidate in the U.S. to fill that position. And so we can continue to move forward in our extension programs around the state. There's also a push now to, uh, with the new funding to hire a bunch of artificial intelligence-related positions in agricultural around the state. So you'll be hearing more about those positions um, being interviewed uh, in in the coming year. And and most importantly and most immediately for us in citrus right now, uh, starting at the end of of, of this week, um, May the 21st, we're going to be starting the interviews for a new citrus plant improvement horticulturalist. Uh, this is a position that's going to work closely uh, with our citrus breeders at the CREC and provide a link with folks in the industry, um, our, our growers groups. Uh, this this person is going to help take the plants that are developed by the breeders, develop the data that's then needed by, by industry to you know do more large-scale testing, uh, things like some of the projects that CRDF has in mind for large-scale field trials. Um, or other other groups like Craft or Champ or some of these other programs that are wanting to do more testing of varieties that are coming out of IPAS and USDA. This person is going to help really bridge that gap and and get that data so so growers can make more informed decisions, not only on large scale uh, planting trials but also on um, understanding how to grow these new varieties. A lot of our new varieties coming out of IPAS, uh, they're you know they're a little. Different. You have to think of differently how you grow them sometimes. Maybe you have, have to prune them more often or do different fertilization practices. Things like that need to be figured out before growers start growing them on large scale. And that's another another use for this position is to figure out how to grow these new varieties. And so for all these, these new positions that are coming out, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for growers around the state uh, to participate um, in the interview process as we bring candidates in. And we really encourage folks to um, uh, pay attention. When you see things in the email or in the the news about opportunities, we we encourage everybody to please get involved, uh, participate in the seminars. Um, In the case of this uh, citrus plant uh, horticulturalist uh, position we're hiring, we're going to have three different Zoom meetings set up for growers to interact with the candidates um, and and provide feedback on, on what their thoughts are about the candidates we're interviewing. So um, we really want that feedback from the industry as we make these decisions. And so I encourage everybody to get involved as much as possible and provide us that feedback when you can.
0: Uh, that's that's exciting. So uh, starting the end of this week on Friday, so I'm assuming those Zoom meetings are probably uh, set for next week or, or going to be set for next week?
1: So we've got some. Uh, our first candidate, the first seminar is Friday, May the 21st at 11 o'clock. And then there's a time set up for growers to meet with that candidate on Monday, May the 24th at 4 o'clock. And then candidates two and three are going to be interviewed um, on Monday, May 24th, and uh, Thursday, May 27th and 28th. So um, we're going to be putting out, filling out information throughout the industry about these opportunities. And as people hear about that, we hope that they'll take the opportunity to, um, register for those Zoom meetings and uh, then participate in those and provide us that feedback. So, again, these are going on May 21st through the 28th. And uh, then hopefully by the end of the summer, we'll be able to have somebody in place and working directly with growers out there on some of these new opportunities with new varieties that are coming out.
0: Very exciting. So if growers are catching this podcast early, right when it comes out, a couple opportunities next week to uh, take advantage of uh, being involved in the process. And and I think maybe sometimes growers don't realize you guys take their comments very seriously.
1: Absolutely. Because, you know, these are people, especially this position, this is somebody we expect to be out working hand in hand with grower, growers. Um, it's that, that grower-researcher-collaboration. And you know, we want to know, okay, is are these these people we're interviewing? Does this seem like somebody who thinks is really going to help your operation that that you can connect with and and uh, uh, understand when they're they're explaining the science? Uh, because sometimes you know it's hard to understand when people start talking uh, about their science, they get involved, but they don't think about how it applies to the grower. And so we really like to hear the feedback from the growers on how they these candidates do, not only talking about science, but putting it at a level that everybody understands. So it's not, it, so it, it can be used and applied and, and of value to the grower.
0: Very good. We're going to talk in more detail about one of those relationships between the researcher and the grower here in just a minute. Again, uh, UF IFAS CREC Center Director, Dr. Michael Rogers. Thank you so much for your time, sir.
1: All right. Thank you, Taylor.
0: We're now going to have a uh, interesting conversation, a, a joint conversation between a researcher and a grower, because that relationship is proving to be uh, extremely valuable. Joining me now is Dr. Fred Gemitter, the, uh, um, involved in citrus breeding and genetics over at the Citrus Research and Education Center, and Tom Hammond, a grower out of uh, Florida. And uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. We're going to talk about your guys's. um work relationship here because it's it's been very critical over the years um fred why don't you just start off with telling me why tom has been so critical to the work you're doing sure
2: it's it's my pleasure to talk about tom hammond um we we met probably 20 years or more ago um i had heard about tom from another researcher who told me about uh, someone who then was a, a young progressive citrus grower over in the vero beach area He's still progressive, um, and uh, that I should get to know this, this gentleman. And so uh, Tom and I sort of reached out to each other and we talked about things. And, uh, Tom came to learn that what I was involved with was developing new varieties. And Tom, I think, recognized uh, the potential value of what new varieties could bring to the citrus industry and into his own personal citrus business. And, uh, he offered up the use of some land. Um, that he owns and took care of trees for us. I think it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 acres of land. Um, We call that the experimental block, and we planted out there uh, raw material from the breeding program. And why that's a unique thing, um, you know, with, with many growers, we have rootstock trials, and we have, let's say, Valencia orange or ruby red grapefruit on the top. We're trialing the rootstocks. The growers can harvest the fruit and they can sell it and they can make some money on the block. In the case of this experimental block, as Tom will tell you, there's really nothing there that can be sold. Um, so it's it's really a dedicated effort and an expense on his part to help support the breeding program.
0: Tom, why do this? Why do something like this? Uh, you know, especially with uh, what Fred just mentioned, not being able to sell some of that product. Um, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to get your take on it. Why do this?
3: Well, I mean, this all is as, as Fred alluded to it, this this started many, many years ago and and it um, probably kind of really got going. I had been on a kind of a family vacation over in in Spain. And had an opportunity to visit with a consultant over there that was consulting in the citrus industry over there. And I had a chance to see some of their easy peelers that they were developing over there. And this was before California was going and for a lot of this was over here in the United States. And it was kind of one of those huge wake up calls that I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is what's coming at us. We need to get in front of this. And so I started looking around, uh, having conversations with Fred, talking about these easy peelers that were on the horizon and what can be done. And what was kind of interesting is that what what I learned very quickly was is that you can take varieties from around the world, especially uh, some of these Mediterranean type varieties that are grown um, through you know South Africa, Australia. Uh, even California, and you can bring them over here to Florida, but they don't necessarily work well. So it was really evident that if if we were going to be successful in developing new cultivars, um, yes, we still need to, to be looking what was out there in the world, both from a, a breeding standpoint, but also from the standpoint, maybe something might work. Um, but It was uh, it was it was going to be super important that some of this stuff was homegrown. And so that's when I started working with Fred in the University of Florida, helping develop these new varieties, because I thought it was just crucial uh, for for us as an industry in Florida that that we needed to be competitive with uh, with the right product going into the marketplace.
0: Yeah, Ed, that's very interesting. I mean, you talk about locality of research. That's very important for growers when they make decisions on anything. Uh, you can't get more local than in your back uh, back forty, right? I mean, you. It's kind of nice that this is being done right where you are to see if these can work.
3: Yeah, and it, you know, also, I mean, it's something that I that I actually enjoy too. I I like you know getting a chance to to look at see you know how these how these trees are performing, how the fruits performing. You know, kind of what's early, what's late, what does it look like? You know, get a chance to taste some of this this fruit that's being developed and kind of, you know, really at the forefront of you know of the of the breeding program. Really looking at the very beginning of it. So, you know, it, it's it's very exciting.
0: Fred, when you use terms like raw materials and experimental block, I mean, what is the value there? Is it is it just invaluable to have something like this where you can literally try something out there it surely
2: is um you know we have our own property university of florida property where we we also grow out raw material um but we have a, a limited amount of space and and sometimes the the care of the groves um leave something to be desired and so to have another spot with 16 acres and to have it in a different production area um You know, our our land is in the central area, what we call the ridge, and Tom's over in the Indian River District. And so that's a different growing region, a different growing environment. So to have that opportunity for more land and to have it be well taken care of and to have it be in another environment um, gives us, has given us a a lot of opportunities to to
0: look at more things that we wouldn't be able to do without that. Um, I'll let you guys kind of go back and forth on this if you want, but, uh, anything in this partnership that you guys have learned about the other system or, uh, you know, you guys both have been doing this for a long time, but anything, you know, kind of surprise you that you've learned about each other's system, um, in this process?
2: Well, I, I think we, we do continue to learn from each other and we share learning opportunities as well. You know, I get a lot of the, perspective i just visited with tom yesterday and talked to him about why his trees were looking as good as they were and not everyone's trees look like that and he told me some trade secrets which you'd have to um tie me up and torture me to have revealed (laughs) um but you know it helps me to as plant breeders we should be thinking like growers we need to really understand the grower mentality and so tom is one of several you know that i interact with on a regular basis but it helps me to to be a better plant breeder by targeting things in a better way um we've also had learning opportunities um to travel together to different parts of the world you know as an academic i have a lot of connections in different places with different citrus industries and you know with the breeders and tom and i have been able to travel with a few other citrus people as well to different parts of the world and um see what's going on there with new varieties, with new growing techniques. So it's, it's really been a, a learning opportunity, I think, for both of us all along.
0: Tom, any comments on that? Yeah, no, I,
3: I think, you know, the opportunity to, to see how other people are doing things kind of at a global, global level and uh, being in different growing conditions and seeing how people handle different challenges out there um, both you know not only from a growing perspective but also from a marketing perspective uh, and then being able to kind of kick those ideas around at a local level you know is is a, is a great opportunity for for a grower such as myself so you know the learn the learning points coming from the you know the experimental block and it's it's kind of a big package tied in kind of all together as, as Fred, you know, spoke of it, you know, traveling around the world, looking at different operations, different breeding programs, different growing operations, um, and then being able to bring all of that back home. And then at the same time, having people such as Fred and and engage those that they've also had the same eyes on at, at a global level. And then being able to bring that back home in our backyard and kick these ideas around that we've seen um, tried around the world. It allows us to be a lot better growers and marketers of our of our, our products and and learn about, you know, the new varieties and, and some of the changes that, that are happening at a global level. Um, you know, it's just a is a great it's a great exercise and a great opportunity.
0: A great opportunity and a unique one. Fred, is there more opportunities for this uh, with, with research? I mean, are you guys always looking for partnerships like this? If, if somebody listens to this and says, I want to help too, um, you know, is that something you guys are always looking for?
2: We're always open to it. Um, I, I can tell you that we have had uh, attempts at doing this with two or three other growers who thought it was a good idea. Um, but for one reason or another, those, those efforts kind of fell by the wayside, um, whether it was because the grower went out of business or the land where we had planted trees had been sold. And, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy kind of thing to get into. And I think it, it takes really a, a high level of dedication, as Tom has demonstrated, you know, to, to have something like this work. But, yeah, we're surely open to doing something like this with other people.
0: Tom, would you recommend this to uh, other growers if they were in a position I, uh, with the considerations of how difficult it can be and and time intensive it can be and, uh, you know, resources it can be? Would you recommend this?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the big recognition on this is that it, it is a commitment and it's not um, it's not a short term commitment. I mean, as, as Fred will tell you, I mean you know, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment to um, bringing new varieties in into the, into the marketplace. I mean, Fred's been working on varieties, some of these varieties for 15 to 20 years, which is, you know, a a career in a sense. So, and and that's kind of what it takes. um, So to to have property and to have it available for extended periods of time, not just a three to five year window, um, but a, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, 100 year window is, I think, really the, the commitment that we're that we're talking to, because the breeding programs just I mean, it it just takes a long time to learn, understand
2: and develop these new varieties. I think Tom just told me I can never
0: retire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, 100 years. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, guys, uh, Fred, it it sounds amazing too to be able to have someone with the experience like Tom, boots on the ground, having that person available to be looking at this, uh, you know, because it's it's his land. Um, that's amazing. It's not like you're throwing an intern out there that doesn't have a lot of experience. You have somebody who's there all the time and knows what they're talking about. That's got to be valuable too.
2: Oh, absolutely, no question during the fruiting season, I routinely get calls or text messages from Tom. Hey, has anybody been out to look at the block? Um, there's something really good looking in row 17. Uh, it's really early. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, he's, he's there more often than we can be there. Cause it's a, a two hour drive from where we are to where he is. Um, I mean, just that alone is valuable, but Right to have the, to have the growers' eyes and and the marketer's eyes, the marketer's perspective
0: on on all of this, um, incredibly valuable. Well, very good guys. Anything else you want to add before I wrap up here, either of you?
3: The, the only thing that I might add is that it's a you know this this is a kind of a long term commitment, but I think that both parties you know gain a lot of knowledge from these kind of joint ventures that, if you will, between the university and, and the growers. I mean, I think it's a win-win on both parts.
2: And truth be known, we've developed, a, I think, a pretty good friendship on a personal level as well. And, um, you know, in life, those those kinds of things sometimes are more valuable than anything.
0: We're not doing video here, so I can't read Tom's face when you said that, but I'm <laughs> assuming he's friends. So
2: I'm smiling. <laughs> yeah,
3: I know you're smiling. <laughs>
0: All right, guys. I appreciate the conversation today. Again, a a very valuable partnership between uh, a grower and UF IFAS. Uh, Talking again with Fred Gmitter, uh, Citrus Breeding and Genetics over at UF IFAS, and Tom Hammond of Hammond Groves. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of the All In for Citrus podcast. And remember, if you're a grower, keep an eye out for the communications to take part in the hiring process of the citrus plant improvement horticulturists. Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.